It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Yes, it is the Boomer and the Babe Show, and it is 11 o'clock here in Arizona, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, and 1 o'clock on the East Coast, and we welcome you to the Boomer and the Babe Show. Uh, I am Pete Peters. Uh, I am Sans Deborah Brown today. She's with clients working on some of the book publishing business that we do. Uh, I want to invite you, however, to go to our website, which is boomerandthebabe.com, boomerandthebabe.com. Sign up, uh, put your name on our mailing list, and you will get monthly uh, or every four to six weeks, actually. Our online magazine, Boomer Experience Speaks, the contributors to that magazine are people that have been on our show, people that have their own shows, and every now and then we might write a little ditty ourselves and put it in there. So it's absolutely free, and it comes to you in your inbox at no charge to you. We hope you and trust you will uh, enjoy reading it and continue to do so. So uh, as I say, uh, please go to boomerthebabe.com for that. Uh, all that been out of the way now, I want to introduce our guest for the day. His name is Scott Greenberg. He's the owner of Com Come for Care Senior Services. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about that. But Scott Greenberg is the owner of Comfort Care Services out of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Uh, he's a thought leader on aging issues. He's got his own radio show once a week. And uh, we're going to be talking to him and uh, his sultry radio tones right now. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you, especially uh, talking about subjects like this. We we can't get enough information. Uh, people our age who have uh, parents, uh, elderly parents that may be suffering through some of these trials and tribulations that we're going to be talking about today. But uh, before we get to that, if Deborah were here, she'd ask you for your two-minute movie, which is a little history of Scott Greenberg and uh, where do you hail from? I started out as a very young child myself, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming assuming it's probably the same for you, so please tell us a little about yourself and about two. Yeah, I was born old. I'm going backwards. I, um, <laughs> no, I'm born and raised in New York, uh, although I have lived in a number of other places. I lived in Pennsylvania, lived in Connecticut, but I'm a New York guy. Uh, I, um, you know, uh, actually New York City. Grew up in Queens. Uh, married my uh, high school sweetheart. Um, we've been married, I tell people, three wonderful years. The other 40 have been very average and mediocre. Um, we, we, uh, um, you know, I, I spent most of my business career uh, in the annual report business. That wasn't the only thing I did, but I spent about 22 years designing and producing corporate annual reports. Um, grew a fairly small graphic design studio into 
what was at the time the largest in the industry. I believe it still is, although I'm not involved any longer. I, um, you know, I retired uh, the first time um, at uh, age 58 down here in uh, sunny Florida, and uh, went through a couple of bucket list uh, items, uh, traveled, and then woke up one day and decided I was pretty bored and needed to do something and so um I got involved in the home care industry which is uh, um which is quite, you know quite an education it's quite an industry down here the 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 people that we're um people that we're servicing the people that we're talking to and the people that we're talking about are a, a population that needs an awful lot of information also needs an awful lot of help it's, it's uh, getting older isn't all it's cracked up to be well, they they say that uh, getting older is not for sissies. Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly and, uh, certainly true. And uh, and I'm and I'm finding it to be the case myself. Not only not only as as regards talking to people on this show and uh, dealing with uh, elderly parents uh, and so on myself, but uh, even considering myself, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to really buck it up, don't you? <laughs> as yeah. You get, well, as you get older. I, I tell people all the time it's not as easy as we thought. Uh, you know, it was we thought supposed to get easier. And honestly, I think um, you know if you have your health and if you've been fortunate to have saved enough money to to live well, uh, getting older is in fact the golden years. There's no question about that. The pictures. I mean, you're in Arizona, I'm in Florida, so we we travel in. In similar geography, you know, the picture of a husband and wife on a bicycle with the wind blowing through the air is great. Sadly, uh, not all of us uh, get to experience that as the pressures on us, uh, both our health or our parents or our kids, um, you know, makes uh, the golden years uh, tarnish now and then. So it's, it's not always... <laughs> Not always easy. You're right. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's it's kind of like that old Irma Bombeck book from years gone by. She says, "If life's a bowl of cherries, why am I always in the pits?" <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's uh, it can be very disappointing. And, and one of the things that you hit on uh, just now is you said, "If you're fortunate enough to have saved enough money." Uh, and, and money, money always ends up being the issue, doesn't it, in some manner, shape, or form? Well, I think it does. I, I think, um, you know, I um, Comfort Care Senior Services is a, a private duty home health care business, and and private duty home health care is um, much to everybody's surprise when they need it. Not, in fact, covered by Medicare or by managed care, or at least in most parts of the world, it's not. So. Um, you know what happens is that you, in order to uh, access uh, you know services like mine, uh, you need to be able to afford that. Now, what's interesting is if people had purchased long-term care insurance uh, a number of years ago, uh, they uh, have a third party who can help, um, you know, who can help cover the cost of, of private duty home care, for example. Well, what I've found in being in this business is that people who have long-term care insurance have um, access care sooner. So it actually improves their quality of life, whereas if they have to pay for it themselves and don't have the resources or delay because they don't have enough resources or are afraid of running out of money, they tend not to access 
uh, not to access uh, help soon enough. And I don't think that's only true, Pete, with uh, private duty home care, which is what I do for a living today. I think that's true of a lot of other services that seniors would like to avail themselves of, but don't. You know, I, mean, I think of gym memberships as an example, country club memberships, or or boating clubs, whatever it is that people uh, want to access if if they are fortunate enough to have a reasonable level of health um, and have reasonable resources. You know, it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy. The quality of their life is improved by um, the fact that they have access to um, kind of healthy living either medically or, or recreationally, that they otherwise uh, you know, wouldn't have access to or don't have access to. So I do believe that the ability um, to have a higher quality of life as a senior adult does uh, oftentimes um, come down to whether you can afford to do it or not. I mean, it's not fair, but that's the way it is. Well, it does, and... and uh... Deborah and I have an affiliation with a local uh, a local food bank here, and uh, we are continually uh, seeing that in our our own community of Sun City, which is a 55 plus community, there are more and more people that have outlived their money. Um, they may be going to that food bank to get their emergency food ration. Uh, and they're making decisions, and some of the decisions are uh, whether or not they're going to buy some of the staples that may not be available to them at the food bank because they, that's designed to be an emergency use purpose, uh, and, and or whether they're going to go out and buy some groceries or whether they're going to have their medication or whether they're going to cut their pills in half or whatever they're going to do with regard to that if they don't have the the good fortune of having uh, uh, having any kind of backup on that. So it it really gets pretty dicey. Uh, you know, you know, folks. Pete, uh, you're you're 100 percent right. One of the things that I do um, is I am a, um, I'm an elected member of the advisory council of our local area agency on aging, and uh, in my role, I also volunteer at the area agency on aging making uh, satisfaction survey calls to people whom the Elder Helpline has recently helped. Um, and uh, you are precisely right. It, is ne it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people who have lived to the age of 85, 88, 90, 92, 96, 98, or 101 you know, never thought they were going to live that long. They are, in fact, running out of resources, and they are trying to access help from other areas. And truth be told, uh, while we are all fighting about this in Washington every day, and I guess we're going to have a meeting this afternoon, the truth of the matter is on the street, on the ground, um, seniors in our community um, are, are struggling with day-to-day uh, -day life. And um, it's... Uh, you know, it's a shame. I mean, those of us who are not doing that, we're blessed. But there's a lot of people that are and we, I think are not necessarily uh, aware of that because we all tend to travel in similar circles to us. So, you know, if we're fortunate, we're not, we're, we're not struggling with that, those things. Yeah, and in many cases it's there, but the grace of God go I. I mean, it's, right, uh, right. many people, although they're not struggling right now, uh, they're they're 
they're precariously close to the struggle, uh, and they may or may not care to admit it or realize it. But uh, they're not they're not far away. It's like Deborah will say from time to time when we hear of somebody, a friend or whatever, that's uh, just uh, had a sudden challenge with regard to an accident or a family member or themselves, uh, and, and we receive a phone call saying whatever whatever has happened. You're just a phone call away from changing the rest of your life. Uh, and, and that's the way it is with many of these people I think we're talking about, is they are just a phone call away uh, from having the rest of their life changed or an ambulance call away from having the rest of their life changed. And, and it's amazing how quickly it all goes asunder, as they say. You know, in my radio show, uh, which uh, for your listeners is called, uh, Oh My God, I'm Getting Older and So Is My Mom, um, on my radio show I have I have guests, uh, much like you do, uh, that service uh, the community of boomers and their parents. Uh, and um, one of the universal themes, uh, uh, Pete, is that um, preparation. You're just identifying those people who are not prepared for what's about to happen, um, and that's true. That is unfortunately the case more often than not. But preparation is so critical. You know, there are so many things we can talk about along the lines of that. You know, in terms of advanced directives, in terms of DNR around the country, there's there's a new initiative called Pulse that some people are beginning to understand is really critical. Um, in terms of uh, long-term care insurance, in terms of uh, what do I decide, what do I do in terms of Medicare or managed care, which drug program program do I use? Um, do I want to go to an independent living or assisted living community to sell my house? Um, can I get a boat about reverse mortgages? I mean, all of these things, you know, you know, all of these things that, uh, that people uh, uh, that listen to this show um, talk about are all of the things that are, uh, you know, made easier if people plan properly and they prepare properly. So. Well, and that's it's interesting because when when the election was going on, there was there was uh, uh, conversation about yeah, there's people sitting around their kitchen tables talking about these issues right now as as we speak. Well, the reality is there's people sitting around talking about the issues you just mentioned around their kitchen table, and but they were never talked about so much during the election. Uh, I mean, the, all the buzzwords were out there, and so on and so forth. But the the elderly and the well, elderly issues, I didn't hear that much about them. You know, it's uh, it's it's really um, you know it's really interesting. I, I agree with you 100 percent. Here, um, my radio show is simulcast on the web, but it is on three local radio stations: two FM and one AM station. And uh, again, it is simulcast, but. Um, I did have a, uh, a state legislator on uh, my radio show when the Affordable Care Act, uh, also known as Obamacare, uh, was uh, being debated during the primary season. And the truth is, if you are of one political bent and you mention the word Obamacare, you think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And if you're of a different political bent, you think it's the worst thing that ever happened. Uh, the truth is, 90% of the people who are debating whether Obamacare has merits or not 
don't really understand the uh, particulars of what the Affordable Care Act offered. I'm not saying whether you are for it or against it. That really isn't the point. The point I would make here is that if I said, you know, that we're in favor of eliminating all uh, uh, limits on your health care, or we're in favor of eliminating uh, any chance of being um, denied because of a pre-existing condition, or we're in favor of reducing the donut hole, everybody on both sides goes, wow, that's terrific. You know, that's the best thing that ever happened. That's great. Of course we want to do that. Well, that's all in Obamacare. Well, no, no, Obamacare is bad. Or Obamacare is good, depending upon your your perspective. Then you take it. You know, I'm also a, I'm also a business owner, um, and then I talk about the employer mandate. Uh, and uh, you know, frankly, the employer mandate is a tremendous negative to my business. So, am I in favor of parts of uh, of uh, Obamacare? Yes. Am I against parts of Obamacare? Yes. And the truth is, we weren't talking about that. We were talking about Democrat or Republican. To your point, we were talking about Democrat or Republican. We were talking about who I was for or who I wasn't. Um, and uh, the issues of how it applied to particularly the elderly was virtually never discussed. Never discussed. You're absolutely right. I, I know, and uh, I understand that you were in a meeting uh, with your area on aging, uh, invited to participate in a town hall meeting with uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services Catherine Sebelius. Uh, you discussed the impact of uh, the Affordable Care Act on the senior population, and uh, what did you guys come up with? Well, that was really interesting. I was thrilled to be, have been invited. Uh, um, there were not a lot of uh, of uh, home care agencies, the area—I'm sure it's true in your area too—but in my area, you know, we're we're inundated with um, an awful lot of clowns that do the same thing I do. Um, uh, but I was invited, I think, as you know, part of my role as being on the advisory council. Um, Secretary Sebelius uh, did articulate at the meeting, uh, you know, some of the issues that would, in fact, impact the senior population, because. In particular, the Area Agency on Aging focuses on people 16 above, so it was geared towards that audience. And I know that I came away having learned um, a tremendous amount. Now, I'd be lying if I said it was a very open conversation. It, it was pretty well staged, and uh, um, and obviously uh, the Secretary had a point of view and had uh, certain talking points that she uh, was intent on communicating to both the um, 50 or 60 invitees as well as the media that was there. Um, but I know that I learned a tremendous amount from sitting in on that meeting, and uh, there were some um, uh, questions uh, presented to her that were, um, you know, prepared in advance. She didn't take open questions, but prepared in advance. And I, I came away with a much better understanding of the uh, uh, the components of the Affordable Care Act, more so than I did before I went to that meeting. And I think, uh, you know, the local news coverage and the people who were in the room, either pro or anti the Affordable Care Act, um, uh, you know, came away with a greater understanding. I also think that everybody recognized that um, it was really good that uh, the federal government um, was actively 
reaching out to the community at the local level um, to present uh, what they believe were the, in this case, the positive benefits. She's obviously a, a presidential appointee and a Democrat and, and all of the, of the rest. But, you know, at least they got down to the local level one-on-one and uh, both before and after uh, meeting with some of the, the, the feet-on-the-street kind of people who deal with this every day. And uh, she got a chance to hear from us, and we got a chance to hear from the administration. Uh, frankly, it was, um, you know, for, on that level, it was a terrific experience to have, have been there. Uh, I did learn an awful lot. Well, what were some of the, some of the things that, uh, that you learned that would be important to our listeners? Well, for instance, the, uh, the the closing of the donut hole, uh, for those listeners who are not familiar, with, with your drug plans, you reach a certain level of drugs that are covered by whatever Medicare or managed care plan that you have. And then there's this gap between, um, I forget the amount, I want to say it's 2500 but it's somewhere in that ballpark, between 2500 and 5000 which is out-of-pocket cost. Well, not only is the gap closing under uh, the Affordable Care Act and ultimately to disappear, because that is what's going to happen. There will be no more gap over time. Uh, Terrific for seniors taking an awful lot of medications. But the other component part, which I didn't really understand, is it sets a cap on how much can be charged uh, for brand name and or generic versions of a medication while you are within that gap. So it, it, it Really, uh, the Affordable Care Act does benefit those seniors who are caught in this trap of not having enough resources but needing more medication. You know, making, as you said earlier, Pete, when you were talking about deciding whether to eat or cut their pills in half or take their medication or not, it it, it does relieve some of that stress because um, I believe, uh, you know, it's a couple of months ago, I believe that uh, generics uh, uh, can only charge uh, 80% of the rack rate uh, while you're in the donut hole and 50% for brand names. And that's some, that's a benefit of the Affordable Care Act that I did not know. Um, of course, some of the other benefits, which I frankly was aware of, but I'm not sure everybody did, was that the Affordable Care Act uh, uh, eliminated a lifetime cap. You know, for those of us in our age bracket, and Pete, I, I, since you and I are pretty close, um, for those of us in our age bracket, I mean, when we started out getting health insurance, there was always a million-dollar cap or, you know, a million-and-a-half-dollar cap on your health benefits. Uh, well, the truth is, we all know today, you know, you could have a semi-serious illness and run through a million dollars in no time. Um, so today there are no more there are no more caps on the on the benefits uh, uh, that an insurance company can impose upon you. And then lastly, which is also I think uh, very well understood today, is that insurance companies in the past could uh, deny you coverage on a pre-existing condition. I have a friend here who has asthma, and he's afraid to make uh, to make a change in his insurance because he's afraid he would be turned down because of his asthma or be restricted. Well, uh, today, insurance companies uh, under the Affordable Care Act will no longer be able to deny coverage because of pre-existing conditions. So those are three things that I think people did not understand. I understood one or two of them, but didn't understand them all until this meeting with the um, secretary, uh, you know, helped clarify. And I thought that was eye-opening for some people in the audience that didn't understand that. So it was great. 
What uh, was there anything that you took away from that meeting that you said, "Oh, that's too bad that that's like that." Uh, well, that meeting and a couple of others since is, you know, the employer mandate side of the Affordable Care Act um, is a disaster. I mean, anybody who's a small businessman, anybody listening to your show today, who is a small businessman who has uh, 50 full-time equivalent employees and then. Um, 50 full-time equivalent employees is different than 50 full-time employees. You could have, in my case, I have, um, uh, in my business, I probably have 135 or 40 caregivers working today, uh, but I only have maybe 60 full-time equivalent employees, so it's not an exact uh, corollary. But if you have more than 50 full-time equivalent employees and more than 30 employees who would qualify as as full-time, uh, you're going to be subject uh, to the employer mandate, and being subject to the employer mandate means you either supply insurance or pay a pretty hefty penalty. And I'll be honest with you, um, I wasn't too happy to hear that. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. I so as, as happy as I am about parts of what I heard, uh, I'm di- equally disappointed in other parts, which goes back to to your point earlier, Pete, which is you know nobody's really talking about these kinds of issues. There, we, we play politics with this, and again, I don't care what side of the um, aisle you happen to sit. I think most of uh, most of America, and it's topical today. Most of America today is fed up with this. They just want us. We want people to, to think in our best interest. We want to know what's going on. We want the politics to stop. We want the posturing to stop. We just want decisions to be made, and we all recognize that, that we're not all going to be happy. Uh, it's nothing that's going to come down the road is going to make everybody everybody happy. It'll never happen. But um, I, we—I I don't know about anybody else—but I know I'm tired of listening to all this uh, hot air on the on the TV every day about um, whether the Democrats are the fault or the Republicans are at fault. I think um, you know the, at the end of the day, I don't really care who's at fault. I just know that your audience, my audience, my consumer, is not being well taken care of. So. Well, they're not being well served, and the, and the bottom line is uh, we sent these people there supposedly to. <clears throat> to make sure that things get done, and uh, the fact that they're stalemating for whatever their their reasons are, uh, I, I have I'm cynical enough to think that it's it's, it's greed and self interest myself. Uh, but um, you know they're they're always they're always looking for reelections. I mean they get in there they're there for six months and they're already planning their reelection. Uh, mm-hmm. You know it, that it just does not serve us well. I mean give them a limited number of of years, one time in, boom, done, over, get out, next person. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I was never myself in favor of term limits until recently, but now I'm in that camp. I, I, I'm on your page there. I really am. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, look at. I mean, let's look at. I mean, this is not really what we came to discuss here today. Yeah, but, right, right. Uh, yeah, we, we did get but, a little off track, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But I mean, it's the case is you got you got a president that uh, for the first four years is pretty much trying to make sure that he gets a second four years. Right. Well, give him give him six years and nothing more, and that's it. Give him six years and be done. He's a lame duck going in. Work at it. Make it right. happen. You know, I agree. Uh, that's that's just my <laughs> I agree. My little deal. Uh, what 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 do you find out about there? Or what do you talk about when you're talking about um, uh, people that are in in need of care at their home? Obviously, but uh, what kind of care do you provide, and what kind of care uh, do you not provide? I, I I am of the um, 
belief, based on what I've been told, that if somebody needs to have skilled nursing, then then Medicare will cover it. But if they don't need skilled nursing, it's private pay. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Um, In order to receive skilled care in the home, uh, you need to be classified as as homebound. Um, now that doesn't mean you can't leave your home. It just means that it is very stressful, strenuous, and difficult for you to do so. And then you can be certified by your physician for certain skilled care in your home for a period of sixty days. You could be recertified for another sixty days, but typically it's only a, a sixty or a hundred and twenty day length of time. And those services that skilled care provides in the home would include, uh, amongst others, would include physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. And it's not that people can't speak anymore. So certain diseases uh, often affect our ability to swallow, so that speech therapy helps with that. Wound care, um, those types of things. So that is skilled care in-home provided by Medicare certified agencies or managed care agencies and paid for as part of your insurance coverage. Um, Private duty home care helps people with activities of daily living. So activities of daily living would include um, bathing, dressing, toileting, light housekeeping, meal preparation, medication reminders, transportation, ambulation, getting out of bed, getting into a chair. It might include uh, all sorts of what would be referred to as uh, activities of daily living. Um, It also would include incidental activities of daily living, which are more the homemaker companion type of things, Uh, you know, a little light housekeeping, a little laundry, um, uh, those types of things. Uh, The... the, uh, you know, the thing that's really interesting, Pete, and, and I try to tell this to people all the time, is seniors, um, you know, they typically start with, I'm okay, I don't need any help. I'm fine, I can do this myself. And I kind of equate that to my grandson, who was now can, but, you know, when he was learning to tie his shoelaces, was, Grandpa, I'm okay, I can tie my own shoelace. I'm okay, I can do it myself. Well, an hour later, he still hasn't been out to play because he's still tying his shoelace. And then I help him tie his shoelace, and he runs outside and he plays. He says, thanks, Grandpa. His life has been improved by accepting some help. Everybody accepts some help. The physicians that we go to have a receptionist. The doctor couldn't do it if he did everything himself. They have a nurse. Um, you have a producer. I have a producer on my radio show. Everybody accepts a little help. So, But the senior thinks that accepting help with activities of daily living is the beginning of the end of their independence. And, in fact, Pete, it's precisely the opposite. Um, it is not the beginning of the end of their independence. It is the beginning of the restoration of their independence. Because oftentimes the people that I take care of, they're not eating healthy because they can't carry the heavy foods home from the supermarket or they're not even getting to the supermarket regularly. They're only bringing home cereal, so they're having cereal all, every day. Again, this is not because they can't afford it. It's just that they can't manage it in themselves. They're not, their hygiene's not as good as it used to be because bathing is really hard. They're at a terrific fall risk. They're afraid to drive, so they're not getting out. They're not socializing with their friends. They're not playing cards or or uh, bocce or bajang or going to the hairdresser or getting their nails done. They're not doing any of those things because they're not able to navigate the um, the um, 
the activities of daily living. And then another really important component part of this is is that caregivers, the family caregiver, the person who's there dealing with this every day, that person is getting stressed out of their mind because not only uh, are they dealing with somebody who is ill or, or struggling, but they are taking care of them. So the stress begins to fall on them. So caregiver stress is unbelievable. So what we do is we provide caregivers and we can do it for, you know, for, you know, as few as a couple hours a day up to 24/7. You know, we can do whatever anybody needs. We can do it, you know, a couple hours a day, 3 days a week, 2 days a week. We don't have any real um, any minimum number of days here in Florida and some parts of the country they do, but we don't. Uh, what we do is provide caregivers who can uh, go into the home and, and give the family caregiver the respite that they need, the rest that they need, but also, more importantly, help either the individual or the family start to take care of some of the things that otherwise they couldn't take care of themselves. And the difference is miraculous. I can't tell you how many times um, uh, clients and or family members will uh, w- will call me and say, oh my God, you sent me an angel. What a difference. What a difference this is. And, you know, and I, I explain to family members when they're considering doing this, uh, I say, you know, the first pass is I'm okay. I can do this myself. I don't need any help. I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this. Uh, no, 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 no. Followed by, well, if you insist, I don't guess I don't have any choice. Followed by, well, this wasn't so bad. And then shortly thereafter, it goes to, uh, uh, it goes to, um, how did I ever live without this before? You know, and they become really attached to their caregiver. And it's, it's just, it's wonderful. I really do think we provide, uh, as do others in my area and around the country, provide the kind of services that really improve uh, the quality of of one's life. Uh, so that's what I think we do. You know? uh, I agree, and I'm I'm in a, a stage right now with my uh, with my mother who's 89, who has been diagnosed with dementia, and uh, she, like uh, many of them do, will just continue to get worse. Um, she's very confused daily. She doesn't think she lives here. She's Seeing people that aren't here, she's talking to people that are long dead, um, and uh, I've been handling this. And with Deborah, we've been handling this ourselves. And for the last several days, my sister has been here from Michigan, and she has been involved, hands-on, with her mother. Not that she hasn't been able, not that she hasn't wanted to, is that she lives up there. She's got uh, right. her, her own special right. needs, special needs child to, to deal with there, uh, and uh, and so she is here and seeing her mother in this condition that so far she's only been told about or she's seen via uh, FaceTime on the on the iPhones, and and she's seeing it firsthand and she's seeing the. Um, the the mannerism she's seeing the confusion she's uh, seeing the acting out uh, many many things that she had only heard about and she's shaking her head but what it's done for me is it's given me a chance to sit back and just kick my feet up in my lazy boy and just worry about fixing these people some meals and boy, yep. and boy is that nice it's yeah nice. and and, and, actually, and you don't you didn't realize you were missing it until you got a chance to do it again, I'll bet. Well, I mean, the fact that Deborah and I could leave this house together and go Christmas shopping, even if it was for just a couple of hours, was really cool. Right. Uh, uh, 
but now what's going to happen is as soon as we're done with this show, we're jumping in the car, and I'm taking her to the airport. She's going back to Detroit, and I'm going to go, oh, my God, I'm here alone again. Deborah and I are here fighting this battle again. Only this will now change because now uh, we will we will seek out from the area on aging and so on and so forth. Other And I know so many people in this area uh, that do the very thing that you do. I mean, there are scads of them, and and. I'm fortunate. We're very blessed. Many of them, most of them, are very, very good, very, very competent, and uh, and I would not, uh, I would not hesitate to call any of them. So I have it all at my disposal, and now I'm going to start using it. Yeah, I actually think we may have a comfort care franchisee in your area that is uh, pretty good at what uh, what he does. I think we have two of them that are pretty good at, at what we do. You know, I think. Um, uh, you know what is off. Well, a couple of things I want to say about what you just said. Uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, there are five and a half million people that are diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia in, in the United States so far. Um, of course, the hot spots of that are where you are in Sun City and where I am in Southern South Florida. Um, what most people don't understand, and we're talking about caregiver stress, which you're experiencing yourself. Sixty-four percent. Sixty-four percent of family caregivers will predecease their family member who has Alzheimer's disease. That is a scary number when you really think about that uh, because the Alzheimer's disease itself is progressive, but it generally runs 8 to 12 years until somebody uh, finally succumbs. But the stress on the family caregiver is such that more often than not that person will will pass away before the family member with Alzheimer's. So that's... that's uh, one thing to con- you know, one thing to consider. Um, the second thing is that when you need help, I just, that- just just interrupt. I can't afford to be dead right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the point. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that is kind of the point when we get right down to it. I, you know, we think that we're, um, you know, we think that we're invincible. We think we can handle it, and and of course we want to do what's best for our family member. I mean, we, you know, that's how we were all raised. Uh, that you know, we. We take care of our own, and we 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 treat them well, and we want to do the very best that we possibly can. We don't really have an understanding of the toll that it is in fact taking upon us. So I think that um, when you understand that, if you begin to access people like myself, I mean, of course I'm not in your area, but people like myself, when you begin to access people like us, you um, you begin to restore not only the quality of the person who's struggling life but you restore the quality of life for the family caregiver and that is is really really important uh and so i encourage your listeners if they're thinking about this even if they access help just for a couple hours a day a few days a week it will change their lives it will make them a better caregiver they will not be resentful you can uh, begin to understand what is is happening if when you come back, uh, you know, if you, uh, the family caregiver, if, if, if they notice that they're stressed more frequently, if they're um, forgetting appointments, if they're not sleeping well, if their eating habits have changed, if their drinking has increased, if, if there's some change in your life, more often than not, if you are, in fact, a family caregiver, um, it is because of that, and um, that's a sign that you could use some help. Now, I guess the question begs, if if you need help, um, you know, how do you decide who do you call? How do you decide what, what, what to do? So um, I joke about this. I, you know, all of the people who refer me business people always say, send me your best caregiver. Well, the 
truth of the matter is my best caregiver is working today. My second best is working. My third best is probably working. I would venture a guess that you know, 19 out of 20 of my best caregivers are currently working. The reason they're working is because they're great caregivers. Right. Um, so what you need to do is to find an agency that only hires top-quality caregivers so that every caregiver at some point would be classified as the best um, so that every caregiver, you, you can't, when you choose an agency to do this, you have to choose an agency that has very rigid, stringent, and restrictive hiring processes, continues to educate their people. Like, for example, we at ComfortCare, we have an online university. So if I send a caregiver into a situation that perhaps they're not totally familiar with, I can put them online to re- give them a refresher course, a CE credited, a CE quality uh, refresher course so that they can be um so that they can be um uh you know refreshed in terms of their skill set so i think when you know one of the most important things i mean a lot of people worry about price well you know i don't think there's any price on the quality of care for somebody's parent you know you can't put a price tag on that i mean for a dollar an hour difference if that's what it is you know you got to go with the agency that has the best hiring practices and the best hiring processes and i know for us for example we we do a very, very um, uh, cautious, rigid, uh, strict hiring protocol in everything that we do so that we make sure that every caregiver, when somebody says to me, send me your best caregiver, I send whoever I send I know is a competent, capable, dedicated, devoted, well-trained, and committed caregiver. And that's what you should be looking for when you're looking for help. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we have, as I said, we're, we're blessed uh, as our as is in your area. There are so many to choose from, but nonetheless, that doesn't make them all equal. Right. Uh, and and I think that's important to realize, and important for people to realize that uh, quantity does not necessarily breed quality. Uh, in many cases, if you're not careful, it breeds copycats trying to make a quick buck, uh, yeah. and that's something that um, something that ha- people have to uh, have to be able to uh, uh, d- uh, decipher, so to speak. And and I think also one of the places that you have to be able to do that is. Uh, and you can probably speak to this, is the area on aging, uh, they have classes and there's places that people can go as caregivers to learn more and not only learn more about the care, learn what's available medically, learn what's available uh, socially, and uh, if you're if you're going to be putting uh, mom into some kind of a facility, uh, out of the house type of situation, uh, what's available there, what you're obligated to, what might be covered, how does it have to be covered, how can you finance it? All that kind of stuff, because you need all that information, don't you, to be an educated caregiver. You, you really do, Pete. I, I would say, though, that while the area agencies on aging around the country are good uh, repositories for uh, the local um, services in your area, they are prohibited from recommending a particular right. service. Right. I so, that. Yes. so they they typically, as is true in most places, you know, have a list of services that have to meet certain standards to get in there, but they don't really pass uh, judgment on any of the, uh, you know, the quality of the services provided. Right. You know, there is one of the reasons I do my radio show is because when I first got involved in the home care business, 
I um, you know I was I was really uh, surprised not not positively I was surprised by the amount of information that was in the marketplace that was purely agenda driven. So um, I I have attempted uh, to um, become a resource for people for things that I don't necessarily do. So, so for example, uh, I'm the president-elect of the Florida State Guardianship Association. I got involved in guardianship. I'm not a guardian, but I am president-elect of the association. I am the treasurer for our local partnership for aging. I have worked closely with uh, uh, an organization here called Alzheimer's Community Care, working on developing a special training program for guardians, but also work with them on their goodwill task force to get some regulations changed. I've also uh, developed a, a speaker series uh, on um, on uh, uh, aggregating, you know, 12 different disciplines together so we can speak on any subject. It's called LEARN, Lifespan Education and Resource Network. I'm an AmeriCorps volunteer. I've recently become an AmeriCorps volunteer, and I host my radio show to put out to put out on the air non-agenda-driven messages so that people can be informed without being sold. Uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is there is no one place for family caregivers, for um, other caregivers, for senior citizens, um, there is no one place to go for information. And and the web, while there is an abundance of information on the web, um, the web is not necessarily non-agenda driven. People are trying to to you know, are referring to people who are paying them a fee to get referred to them from. I mean, it's not necessarily bad. They may get good referrals, but somebody's paying for that referral, so they don't they don't do a quality listing. Now, there are some places that you can get good information. You can check in the state of Florida. You can check and see if agencies have any complaints against them. You can check and see if caregivers have any complaints against them. There are things that you can do, but for the most part, you know, it's pretty hard to. To find, uh, separate the quality or to separate the wheat from the chaff. I don't know what that expression is, the wheat from the chaff. But, um, you know, it's it's not always as easy as you see. Area Agency on Aging is a good place to start. It's a great referral source, and they do wonderful, wonderful work. But, again, they don't recommend. They just uh, give you a couple of people you can call. And the decision is left in your hands, not in you know uh, in somebody else's hands you still have to make the decision yourself so it's tough yeah yeah uh is it possible i'm i'm just thinking out loud here is it possible to um be that clearinghouse uh as you say uh you would you're, you're striving to be is it possible to be that clearinghouse and be able to separate that wheat from the chaff and still um be performing an excellent excellent service for the the ones that are the wheat and not the chaff so to speak uh, yeah. or is, or is that just is that just too tough to deal with because you really don't have enough information and and you don't know where you're going to get the information so uh, you know the only thing uh, you know that I can speak to in that regard is is my philosophy on that which is you know what I think um I'm struggling to be, which is to be a uh, be perceived as a, a, a go-to resource for information that 
um, is not colored by any direct benefit. So I do two things. One, in the day-to-day operations of my business, um, I, I have a whiteboard in my office, and I have uh, you know five things on on the whiteboard, and, and two of them are you know everybody is important. That's one, and the, another one is raise the bar. So we are we are current. We are constantly looking to upgrade our weakest link and that means you have to be very introspective you have to look at your business you have to be fair and honest about how you provide services you have to challenge yourself to be better every day and to improve the quality of care that you provide so i do that in my business every single day we are always trying to raise the bar we have unbelievably high standards and i will tell you as good as i think i am i know i'm not perfect and i know i can always be better so so we have a saying in here you know raise the bar and we do that all the time the the second thing that i've done i've done personally is i've worked in the community to identify for me and i might not be the best judge but for me to identify best practices people that I am comfortable referring to. There's a lot of people out there who are willing and able and happy to sell you whatever it is that they do, but they don't employ best practices. So you you, you have to set standards. And I think what um, we have done is uh, to align ourselves with only people we believe provide best practices and as till they disappoint us we'll continue to refer them but if they do disappoint us we won't refer them any longer and uh, i will never never accept any payment for anybody for a referral so um, i know that's not uncommon for people to share in the in the uh, <laughs> in the it's win. A bounty. In yeah, the bounty, to share yeah. the bounty for a referral. I will not take a referral from an independent or assisted living community. I want not a referral fee. I won't accept a, um, a commission on anything. I went to a networking meeting and somebody had a product. It was actually pretty interesting, you know, and I really thought it was something that I might be able to sell to some of my or refer or recommend to some of my clients. Um, and I was going great with the person, uh, you know, who was uh, who I had met, and until she said, "Oh, and we pay a referral fee for everybody you refer to us who buys." I said, "Nice talking to you," and I turned around and I left. She said, "What's the matter?" I said, "I don't do business that way," and I turned around and I left. So that is that is my standard. Now, you know, the truth is, you know, how does somebody find me? And you know, am I? And is everything I'm saying honest? You know, nobody knows you know, until you get referred to me or until you bump into me or, or meet me. But that's one of the reasons I do my radio show is to go out there. That's why I don't accept an awful lot of advertising on my radio show, even though I can. Uh, I, I don't do that. I, um, I, I rarely do that. Well, you don't, need to, you don't want to be beholden. Uh, and that's and that's really good in this industry. I think that people aren't beholding. Uh, I, I'm looking here at your website. I've got it up in front of me, and it uh, and you've got okay at home, Alzheimer's care, fall prevention, medi- uh, medication uh, compliance, chronic conditions, and transition of care. Uh, the one that strikes home to me most right now is Alzheimer's care, and and I know that if I had uh, somebody come come to this house. And uh, give us some Deborah and I some respite. Uh, that I'd have to be assured that that person knew how to handle 
uh, Alzheimer's dementia patients. Um, how do you and what do you do? Because it's I think such a big aspect of what what's happening in the in the senior community. How do you train your folks, or how are or what what do your folks know about Alzheimer's care that people coming out to give just normal, uh, I say normal, it's not normal, I understand, but I mean uh, day-to-day type care, but if they got a special need like Alzheimer's, I think, is, uh, how do you ensure that they're giving that best possible care? So um, we are an agency that is totally devoted and committed to that. My father-in-law died with Alzheimer's, and so it's something that's really near and dear to us, but um, I am, for example, the only agency in Palm Beach County out I'm aware of, I've been told this is true, I'm not sure it's still true, uh, that paid the Alzheimer's Association to do additional training for a number of my caregivers over and above the state uh, requirement. Um, I um, I uh, paid for about 25 or 30 of our caregivers to go for an additional three hours above the two hours that's required by the state. So that's uh, one thing that we do. The other thing is um, I have uh, on at least uh, three occasions Uh, Well, two occasions specifically. The Alzheimer's Community Care does an educational conference here in Palm Beach County. Uh, Last year, Dan Rather was the uh, keynote speaker. A couple of years before that was uh, Newt Gingrich, um, uh, both people who have family members who have had Alzheimer's dementia. The only agency of its kind that was asked uh, or allowed to uh, present at that conference on how to hire a proper caregiver for someone with Alzheimer's and dementia was me. So I I presented twice there. I've done it in other places, but presented twice there on how to hire a proper caregiver. I've sat through myself a seven-hour training course uh, provided by by Alzheimer's Community Care. I'm helping develop a training program for uh, guardians, on how to deal with Alzheimer's and dementia in our um in our agency in particular uh I am um as focused as committed as devoted and dedicated to Alzheimer's as as is is humanly possible the other thing that we do is um in my agency we go into um uh, communities where there is uh, you know an assisted or an independent living community and we actually conduct um a uh, an activity for people struggling with dementia we do a, a kind of a trivia game it's called memory magic we do that in a variety of communities we do that about 10 times we do that about uh, 10 times a, a, a year um and uh I'm sorry, ten times a month uh, in different communities. So um, we uh, we drink the Kool Aid uh, on on Alzheimer's and dementia, and in addition to that, for our caregivers who may have been uh, not there when we did the extra training, we also have, as I said, that online university to give them some extra preparation. Um, it, the, dealing with somebody with Alzheimer's requires um, not only a special personality, but does, as you have identified and articulated, does uh, require um, some unique and and special training. Um, And uh, we make sure that they have it before we send somebody there. Well, I, I, what bring what brings it up is, uh, first of all, I'm 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 going to ha- I have that need, and I will I will be doing what I can to procure the, the proper person uh, to to come out here and and, and take care of uh, things. Well, well, Deborah and I disappear for a little while. Uh, 
But when my father has his uh, Alzheimer's uh, dementia, he also had uh, a wound that would not heal. It was all part and function, part and parcel of the of the disease and how it affects different aspects of the body. And and one of the things was the healing process just wasn't what it once was with him. And and he had to ha- and he had to have continual wound care. Now right. for that reason, and that's what also when I mentioned. Uh, Medicare versus not, and so on and so forth. And you would describe perfectly what happened. He was in he was in a, a, a skilled nursing facility, uh, and he was there for a certain number of days. And then his his benefit was about to be curtailed because he had reached his limit. But it just seemed that at that time, and and because of need and not by design, he would have some kind of a situation where we would have to take him the hospital and he would be in the hospital for five six ten days and then he would still need the care of course and he would go back to the skilled nursing facility and of course now his medicare kicks in again because he's now he's on a reset and this happened a couple of times over the period of his uh, stay uh, over the last 90 days of his life and eventually he went to hospice and he passed uh, but the thing of it is, and the reason I asked the, the second question was, uh, while he was in the skilled nursing facility, he had also that what he was there for for the skilled nursing purposes. But he also had his Alzheimer's dementia, and it was raging. It was really truly raging, and they didn't have the caregivers there to tell to be able to take care of his. Alzheimer's status. So he's getting great medical care, but he's not getting the care he needs for his Alzheimer's dementia. And that is in a skilled nursing facility that it was thought to be one of the greatest skilled nursing facilities in this area. Now, fortunately, since that time, they have developed an Alzheimer's annex, if you will, for Alzheimer's care. And so that would not, in theory, would not exist any longer. Now, they, if they needed the skilled nursing, they would go to the skilled nursing. They would still have Alzheimer's professionals there to handle that aspect of what they're doing, as so I've been told. But, I mean, you, even, in, even in a facility, you have to make sure that you're getting what you need, don't you? You certainly do, and I would say that there are um, – well, I would say two things. One – you've identified a real problem, that great medical care does not necessarily translate into great Alzheimer's and dementia care, that the skill sets are, in fact, different, and and you've experienced that firsthand. So that doesn't surprise me. Most people are, are surprised by that, but the truth is that staff in most skilled nursing facilities are neither trained nor are they equipped nor do they have time to do proper care and maintenance of people with Alzheimer's disease. So that that's uh, that's one problem. Um this the second problem is that particularly in Medicare there is not a code um there isn't a code uh for Alzheimer's because um it doesn't really pay. It's a progressive disease. It gets worse. They don't really they don't really pay for that. <laughs> they pay to get you better. They don't pay to to maintain you. They pay to get you better. And so that's another reason that that exists. It's a real problem. You've identified a, a particular specific problem. There's no doubt about that. 
Absolutely. And it's something that uh, I, I don't know how you would even work towards having that and bringing that awareness to people that would care. Uh, I, I don't know. Especially what's what's going on now in the, in the climate that we're in, yeah. I, I, you know, it, that's just that's something that's just, that that's going to be pushed under the bed. We're, we're hiding that one away. We don't need to deal with that right now. We got yeah, we got we got we have enough issues about getting reelected, let alone dealing with that. I mean, my You're goodness, right. that could You're cost us votes just like the gun lobby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, don't get me out of my political. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I don't want well, to go down that road. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, here we are, Scott. We've been talking forever, and uh, we're down to the short rows, as they say in the country. Um, and uh, I need you to tell our people uh, that are listening our, uh, exactly how they can get hold of you or your organization uh, when they're in need and looking for this great care and home. Uh, give us all the information. This is your opportunity for your shameless self-promotion. And I'm shameless uh, forever. Uh, my phone number is area code 561-630-1620. That's 561-630-1620. We monitor our phones 24 hours a day. My uh, website is Palm Beach, P-A-L-M-B-E-A-C-H, palmbeach.comfortcare.com. And uh, palmbeach.comfortcare.com. That is our website. Um, my cell phone, people can call me on my cell phone, 561 706 5157. And uh, the name of the company is uh, Comfort Care Senior Services. And in the event that somebody is uh, in other parts of the country and want to find out more about Come for Care, uh, they can do that through you. Or if I imagine if they just Google Come for Care, they'll be able to find locations in their area. They can. We have about 150 some odd franchisees around the country, and uh, I can tell you that we have unbelievably high standards as a franchise. They hold us to very high standards, and uh, I think most of my peers would uh, provide the same level of service and care that uh, that I would, and I would uh, recommend them highly, and they'll certainly come out and answer anybody's questions. Well, thank you very much for that, Scott. Thank you for a very uh, informative and interesting hour of conversation. I do appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you in the future, and uh, Happy New Year to you. And to you, Pete. Best of luck with your with your mom, and I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Nice talking with thank you. Thank you. Nice talking with you. Take care. You too. And this is, Bye now. This is, thank you. This has been the Boomer the Babe Show on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you can hear us at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. See all the shows that are there archived, and there's maybe something that you'd like to listen to, and they're all there with the names and the titles of the show and a little synopsis of what the show is about. So please go to blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Uh, in addition to that, go to boomerandthebabe.com, uh, our website, see everything else that we're involved in besides doing this show. With this, we're going to say good night, goodbye, good afternoon, wherever you might be listening, and have a great day or a great time tomorrow, whatever the case might be. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk again very soon. Happy New Year if we don't talk before then. You've been listening to the Boom and the Babe Show, where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. 
As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.